Hey, we are in chapter 4, page 45, and that's right, it is the topic of prayer life. That's right. So if you didn't pray, what would it be? Prayer death. That's right. For those of you hooked on, right, if you're still turning there, you're getting there. Uh, this is something we should pray about, but no, you don't need to. We are here, so you don't need to. Prayer life is the topic that we're dealing with here. Of course, what we saw last time is now we're going into great detail, the three things uh, that we have the privilege of communing and, and growing our relationship with God, who just happens to be the creator of the universe. Okay, And the first one, of course, that's what we're on here, is the issue of prayer. And the second one in greater detail will be with Bible study. And then the third one, of course, will be on the issue of scripture memorization. Okay, But we are on that issue of prayer life. If you were here last week, we saw just in that first paragraph, what in the world is prayer all about? And what we see is what we are moving from uh, in the previous time dealing with this is we're going from the issue of consistency, uh, if you will, to dependency. And just developing that attitude of utter dependency that apart from Jesus Christ, and that's what he tells us, we can do how much? Nothing, nothing ultimately in eternal matters, okay, because we could do a lot of stuff, doesn't mean that it's going to last forever, it's going to store up treasure in heaven. And that's what we saw there, and that when we approach God like these people, uh, that should be our knee-jerk reaction. That shows a state of dependency. When this couple we saw last time, they're going through hard times. I mean, they didn't turn to their friends, they didn't turn to their feelings, they didn't go to Freud, they, they turned to the Father, uh, they turned to God immediately, and simply, and that communion with Him cast their burdens upon him. Isn't that wild that God not only has made a way that we can have direct communication, we can't even get to the president if we wanted to. Okay, we got communication with God. Isn't that wild? And then not only we have that communication open, the Hebrew says that we have uh, with boldness, we can approach his very throne with confidence. Okay, and then God says he wants to talk to us. Okay, isn't that mind-blowing? And then he says, when you talk to me, hey, by the way, I want to take all your troubles off your hands. Cast all your cares upon me because I care for you. Isn't that wild? Okay, and so again, when we miss the sight, and that's the other theme that's going on here, the relationship aspect, okay, and it becomes dry and stale and goofy because we turn into that religion theme. We put all kinds of stumbling blocks away, but let's keep it simple. Let's keep it what it's supposed to be. It's just a way of life. Just as we communicate with each other naturally, spontaneously, it's the same thing with God. It's an amazing privilege. Hopefully we don't take it for granted. Now, this next section here, uh, the next couple of paragraphs, we're probably going to go through, famous last words, Jim, uh, quickly, because this is kind of a recap of our previous studies. So, hey, and uh, we will uh, continue on there. So, when can I pray? The middle of page 45 says this. Let us briefly review what we've learned in our last lesson, because the question, when can I pray, is an important one. Uh, the exciting thing about God is that, that we serve is that he is omnipresent, okay? Omnipresence, for those of you hooked on filling in those blanks, omnipresence means uh, that God is everywhere at the same time. O-M-I-N-I-P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E uh, is the spelling there. means that God is everywhere at the same time. So uh, isn't it glad that uh, we can do things and God just doesn't never, he never knows about it. He pays no attention to our conversations during the day. He has no clue what's going on in our brains. He doesn't know what our intentions are. He doesn't, yes, it's called blasphemy. No, he's everywhere, folks. Isn't that amazing? Now, that's a beautiful side of that truth is that we can talk to him, and that's what he's talking about, at any time, anywhere, because God is everywhere. But the flip side of that is, I think we conveniently forget that, and we act like God's not around. If we realize that God is with us wherever we go, and we kept that thought in the foremost of our minds, my theory is it'd probably change our behavior. Uh, that would be like a guard over our mouth. Ooh, oh, I can't say that. Jesus is right here. 
You know, we laugh about that, if you will, but you know what? He is. Okay? He is omnipresent. He's everywhere at the same time. This is an incredible truth to grasp, and it shows a little of the nature of our awesome God. Since God is omnipresent, it means he is always with us. Anybody glad he doesn't take a vacation from us? Okay? And, uh, man, you know, sometimes, uh, you know, we would want a vacation from people that uh, get on our nerves. And can you imagine how much is God's children? Man, he's faithful. He's good, okay? Praise God he doesn't take a vacation from us, okay? Thus, we can meet with God whenever we want and wherever we are. That's what's amazing. See, that's some of the religiosity that we seem to carry over. No, I can only have a genuine spiritual time with God in prayer if I get to the church sanctuary. Well, that's nice. Okay, no, I have to have that secret hideout, okay, that I can only, no. And as we're going to see, yeah, you need to have some consistency going on, some special place, quiet time, be smart with your time, okay, but man, you can meet with God anywhere. Hey, I, I'm not saying this, please, uh, please don't take this as I'm being irreverent, because I'm not, okay? You know what, some of the best times I've had, breakings with God, is in the bathroom. I'm not using the bathroom, but I remember there's many times in my workplace, going through some serious hard times, very antagonistic uh, environment there, always out to get me, cursing in my face, trying to do anything just to get me to crack, just so he can point a finger at me and call me hypocrite every single day, day in, day out. I go to the bathroom and get on the floor and start praying. Some of the best times. You know what? But if I had that mentality, oh, I just got to grunt and groan until I can somehow get to that church sanctuary. No, man, you can pray whenever, wherever. It's absolutely awesome. In Paul's first letter to the believers in Thessalonica, Uh, He told them to pray without ceasing. Okay, this means that we should continually be praying as things arise. Naturally, that's right. When that happens, praise God. You get excited and that's exactly what you do. Okay, we can be spontaneous. Underline that word because I really think that is the heart of effective prayer with God. Okay, and it's not all chunked up and itemized. It's just a natural thing. We, we, We don't rehearse what we speak to each other just as the natural day occurs. It's a same thing with God, okay? Now, during our uh, waking hours, whether at work, school, home, vacation, or act, uh, anybody find act yet? I forget Walmart. I've given up on that. I'm going to switch to Target. Maybe they got them there. But uh, act, and we can communicate God uh, with God through prayer. Spontaneous is your next blank there. Spontaneous prayer is an excellent habit to develop in our daily life. And again, when you do that, guys, I'm telling you, that's like the little... Uh, 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 Spray with the bug. What's that bug spray you use? Off? Raid? Raid? I was talking for mosquitoes. You spray that on? It'll probably get rid of the bugs, but you lose your arm. But uh, yeah, some serious. Michigan or Minnesota. Those, man, I tell you what. But anyway. It's going to be one of those studies tonight. But anyway, that's right. Uh, So whether you use raid or whatever, but that's what it is. If you keep the spontaneous aspect, okay, it's the raid, if you will. It's the off. It's the deterrent uh, from getting that religious mindset. You know, it's just a natural, breathing, awesome privilege to be able to speak with God anywhere at any time. Okay, now, a specific time and place. As we discussed in the previous chapter, even though we can converse with God at any time during the day, it is also valuable for us to have a special time with God, to meet with him, i.e. a quiet time is the Christianese phrase. Now, that's going to help, okay, the aspect of the spontaneity is going to help in maintaining a relationship attitude, okay? Now, the specific time is going to help you to develop discipline, which is going to help in the area of consistency, okay? Because uh, it's just with anything in life, if you don't get dedicated about it, if you don't have some sort of uh, uh, deliberate regimen about it, 
mm, probably won't get done, will it? It's just life is busy. There's always something to come in there and to fill your time. I guess if I don't calendar time with my family, it just doesn't happen. Because there's always something to do. There's always something else to do. There's always something that's going to go on. And so that's where, and so same thing with God. When you're deliberate about it, yes, be spontaneous, keep that relationship. But when you're deliberate about it, it helps keep that consistency going. And you know, it, it's just many times, I, can, I kid you not, just something as simple as spending time with God. It can be radically changed. He can move in your heart, all of a sudden, bang, the wisdom, what you need to do in a situation you might have been praying for a long time, it's there. But if you never put yourself in the position to receive, no wonder your walk with Jesus and everything else is sporadic. There's got to be a consistency factor, as we saw there, okay? It's a special time, okay? Each time, a quiet time. Some of us are morning people. Raise your hand if you are. All right. That's who I am. Praise God for you people. I love you. You know what I'm saying? Then you got those other creepy folks. How many guys are night people? You don't want to raise your hand now since I say creepy. But anyway, that's right. That's awesome. Middle of the day? No, midday is when you get the crash going on. What are you talking about? I get a second wind. I kind of get a blessing. I get a second wind at night. So I'm morning, and I wake up, and I do that little elf dance, and it's happy and whatever, and it's awesome. I get excited, man. It's a brand new day. Who knows what's going to happen? Somebody can come to the Lord. Uh, all, uh, anyway, whatever. So I'm a morning guy. Uh, if you're a night person, so everybody's quiet time, as we saw, will not be the same time, okay? That could be a very good thing. Uh, we see that even Christ, top of page 46, gave us the example of maintaining that quiet time, okay? And Mark tells us, quote, and in the early morning, while it was still dark, he, Jesus, arose and went out <clears throat> and departed to a lonely place. There's your next two blanks there, a lonely place, and he was praying there, okay? A lonely place. And he was playing there. Now, as we saw before, uh, you need to learn to be flexible was the word that we use there. Flexible, okay? And Jesus was busy. There was too many people. So what'd he do? He went out and found a place where he can get that private time. And sometimes we're going to have to do that, okay? And uh, I've shared before many uh, stories of when people come stay with us, you know, your routine, you know, kind of gets mixed up. It doesn't mean you stop. You just need to be flexible. Find another area until that season's over, but keep it going consistent okay our quiet time should be a time when we are rested and alert so that we can concentrate on what we study and on our prayer to god now i'm a morning person but that's one thing i had to stop doing you ever get those little frozen containers of like orange juice and the little tube things you know what every time i'd pick one of those up there i'd just stare at it brandy would come in and says what in the world are you doing you've been there for two hours looking at that thing i said well man the thing says to concentrate <laughs> okay, that's your little joke for tonight. But concentrate is what's going on there. I hate, but, but it, Ruth laughed. That's all it counts. So anyway, so that's right. You need to be rested. You need to be alert so that we can concentrate on what we study in our prayer to God. How many guys have ever done that before? Maybe you're not a morning person. But man, that preacher, he preached a fiery sermon that Sunday. And you got so convicted on prayer, you determined the next day you get up, you're going to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. You're going to read the Bible for 19 hours and uh, somehow still make it to work on time. And then you're going to pray 112 and fit it all in one day. And you get there and you get there and you're... <clears throat> you got to be smart with your time. You got to pick your time, okay, uh, is what's going on there. So you can concentrate because the whole issue, it's a relationship, okay? It's quality, is what you want, right? Okay, and God sees the heart. Okay, we're going to get into the time issue here in just a little bit. That's another key factor, okay? Uh, so be disciplined is the other aspect. 
Well, Pastor, really, I just, I've been trying, but I, uh, I, just, I just can't seem to be alert in the mornings. Well, stop going to bed at 1 o'clock in the morning. As if God doesn't know. And this is getting practical here, right? Morning and time of the day, that's good. Yeah, that's Vegas. Viva! Tony, you want to say that? Viva Las Vegas? That's been happening. But uh, anyway, <laughs> so no, you need to be smart with that. Okay, same things we saw last time with like Sunday mornings, you know, don't stay up till 2. Okay, that's not good preparation. You wonder why you're, you know, it just doesn't work. You, be smart with your time. Try your best to be refreshed, get ready to go. It's the same thing. It's called discipline. And the issue is like, you know, if you, if you, you know you're tired, but you know what? You'll find that extra hour to sit there and watch Jay Leno or something like that or some other thing, whatever, whatever it is, right? Why don't you go to bed like you felt prompted to do and give that extra hour to God when you wake up? It's all about discipline, okay? And a lot of it, we just need to wrap that up. As consistent as possible, the key for us is that the time and place be consistent as possible. The place where we meet with God should be a quiet place where we can concentrate uh, not on the orange juice canister, but on what we have read from God's word and meditate, literally chew on, okay, as we saw before, to chew on the implications to our lives and the lives of our family. We will also appreciate the quiet place as we unreservedly pour out our hearts to our Father in adoration, praise and thanksgiving, confession, intercession, and petition. And that's, of course, what we're going to start breaking down here in just a little bit. Now, this next section, the new section here, is a pattern for prayer, okay, a pattern for for prayer. It says this, a note must be made here that there is no perfect pattern for prayer. Yet, have you noticed, we teach patterns of prayer. Okay, I'm not against that. That's so what we're going to see in this study. He brings up some different attributes about that. But there is no perfect pattern for prayer. And if you're not careful, you're going to m- miss the whole point of that. Now, one of the most classic ones is the Acts. Okay, it's adoration, confession, thanksgiving, and supplication. And that's great. But what happens is people take that instead of what it's meaning to be, like these are some elements to consider as you spontaneously, naturally, consistently communicate with God to keep in mind, right? Just like you might learn some techniques uh, to learn how to speak to your wife better and communicate. Anybody ever found that book? I'm still, anyway, but anyway, just seriously. Anyway, so, but anyway, uh, but I'm not sitting there, I'm not going to like, before I talk to my wife, open up the book and I have to follow exactly, you know, it's just, you learn like an art to it, if you will. But people will literally take this and turn it into a pattern. Like, I have to, when I open my mouth to God, there's no spontaneity at all. I have to start with adoration. And then when I'm done thinking of all things to adore God about, I then must move and can only move to confession. And then when I'm done confessing everything I think of, then I can move to thanksgiving. And then after I've thought of everything to be thankful about, then and only then, step four, can I now have supplication. I think you're missing the point. And I'm telling you, that's when you get away from the relationship. You keep that up, it's going to come dry, stale, goofy, and boring. And you're going to have a hard time being consistent. Okay? Is what's going on there. Okay? So there's no perfect pattern. I appreciate that statement he says there. Examples, and here it is, in the scripture uh, of brief. That's your next blank. Brief prayers of petition. Okay? Peter, one of the greatest ones. What was his prayer when he started to sink in the water? No, it wasn't. You guys are reading the wrong Bible. It was, oh, Jesus, I adore you. I adore you. You're so wonderful. Look at you. You're walking on water. I had a great time with you, and it was wonder, and, oh, Jesus, I confess to you now. Gub, 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 gub. I mean, if he started doing that, man, he, right? He went straight to supplication. Lord, save me! Right? That was it. And God intervened, right? And see, so we missed that. You've got to balance this out, guys. We get into all this, we call it churchianity, religiosity, whatever you want to call it. 
We miss the point. We turn into something. And we wonder why it gets dry, stale, and bored. And we have to have these fiery sermons to get us feeling guilty about praying again. We miss the point. Keep it as a relationship. Man, it's awesome, man. Who wouldn't want to create or communicate with the creator of the universe? So there's brief uh, prayers of petition. Now, that brings up this issue. God, guys, is always interested in the heart, right? Because it's a relationship. If I was just reading something perfunctory to my wife, oh, Brandy, hey, you're awesome. You're incredible. And how could I ever... Uh, live without you and you're i'm literally reading a script okay i'm saying the right words but how is she going to take that yeah she she did a good humph right there right there and give you the look okay as everybody would right and uh and so but but the thing why so what kind of what do we, what what message are we sending to the heart of god when we do that to him that yeah we're missing the point we don't want to try we don't even want to be here oh that's another one when you fake it, how do you like that? When your spouse might say the right things, but you know their heart's not in it. Hey, it's the same thing with God. What, what are we doing? Okay, this is brief. Now, here's my, here's my issue. This brings me to the issue of time. But you couple this with the heart. Okay, Peter's prayer was brief. I'll guarantee it was from the heart. Right? God sees the heart. Now, listen to this. Uh, this is another flip side of, of the issue when it comes to prayer. Uh, uh, did you know I've experienced this? Uh, I think that some of the times that I've prayed, me personally, to God, I think that there's been, I'll guarantee there's been times that God has been more pleased with a time that it was just only five minutes I had. But man, it was from my heart. Then another time when I took a whole hour or more, but it was all perfunctory. And see, that's another game we play. That somehow the, the gauge for success or uh, uh, spiritual fruit or, man, I'm a prayer warrior because I prayed for an hour. But yeah, what did you pray about? Was it just rote? Was it just mindless? Remember what John MacArthur said in his commentary about speaking on and on and on and on, babbling like the pagans? Mindless prayer is offensive to God. Okay. But he wants the heart. And so it's not a time issue. It's a quality issue. It's from the heart. I'll guarantee you, God is more pleased that you gave him five minutes from the heart than three hours of just... Right? So there's no perfect pattern. Okay, Take all these things in, hash them out between you and God, but don't lose sight of the relationship aspect. There's no perfect pattern. Okay, so there's brief prayers, but as we see in the scripture, as well as lengthy prayers. Lengthy is your next blank there. And uh, lengthy prayers containing many of the elements of prayer, which we will now discuss. The length and content of prayer may be dependent upon the circumstances, right? Peter didn't have much time. Serious circumstances. Wasn't even about to think about it. His knee-jerk reaction, which is good. Lord, save me, right? As we saw last time, it's not, I better go talk to my friends about this. I wonder what Sigmund Freud would say. It's my parents' fault. That's why I'm sinking. You know, that's what they do. They blame everything instead of taking responsibility. You know, I need to do this. I need to go escape. I'm in pain. I've got to go entertain my, you know. No, his knee-jerk reaction was to go to Jesus. That's what it is. So some are uh, long, some are uh, lengthy, but it's dependent upon your circumstances, right? Okay, be responsible with your time, but sometimes you're going to find that, you know, there's always things that are going to fight for your time. And it's not always because you're being irresponsible. Okay, you say, well, man, it's just, I, I didn't plan on it. I had it all ironed out, but some emergency happened. Okay, and it's like, I had an hour set aside for God, but now, now it's only 15 minutes. You're tempted to say, well, forget about it. No, give him 15 minutes from your heart, man. Okay, don't get snickered. Consistency, but from the heart, depending upon your circumstances. And there is no perfect pattern. But in the following discussion, we're going to present a pattern that may be used in our quiet time. This pattern includes the essential elements of prayer, 
seen in many of the longer prayers in the Bible. These essentials include adoration, praise and thanksgiving, confession, intercession, and petition. Okay, let's take a look at that first chunk, adoration, praise, and thanksgiving. Okay, an excellent way to start our prayers is with adoration, praise, and thanksgiving. Okay, again, it's no perfect pattern. It doesn't mean if you don't start off that way, you are doomed. That God's plugging up his ears. Just take it into consideration. Make it your own. It's a relationship. Depends on your time. Depends on your circumstances. Okay, sometimes you ever just, man, it's been so burdened, you just cry out to God. You don't even like reading say much. You just need to express, right? Is that wrong? Because you didn't start off with adoration. You see what I'm saying? I, I, I'm being repetitious to belabor the point. Because for some reason, I could sit here and teach on this and we'll go right back to it the very next day. The same goofball routine we always do. Okay, and God wants our heart. It's a relationship with him. Okay, let's take a look at what it is. An excellent way, adoration, praise, thanksgiving. Adoration means the act of adoring, okay? And praise means to prize, Okay, to prize, to express a favorable judgment. That's right, you cut loose. Woo, God's good. I love you, Jesus. That's awesome. That's what you do. A favorable judgment of, it's your next couple of blanks there, favorable judgment, or to glorify. Okay? Now, you guys realize that if you're going to get much more out of your prayer life, every time you say the word glorify, you got to put U-H on the end of it because you're really spiritual at that point. Glorify, uh, right? In fact, every word, uh, use, uh, it makes you more spiritual, uh, right? And God's pleased, uh, with that kind of behavior, uh, I don't think so, okay? Yeah, oh, she said, she said, he went, uh, and then she would have got it better. But anyway, that's right, uh, glorify is what it means there. We see a good example of this from the psalmist, okay? One thing I've asked from the Lord that I shall, uh, shall seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. Can you imagine that? If that truly was our heart cry, I've got to be with God. I want to be in his house. I want to be in his presence. I want to be as near to him as possible. To him, okay? To behold the beauty of the Lord and to chew on, meditates the word there, but chew on in his temple. Oh God, you are my God. I shall seek you when it's convenient. As soon as that program's over and Jane Leno's done with his list of funny jokes there, I'm going to pray... Oh, I'm sorry. What's that say? Oh, I will seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. Man, it sounds like somebody really wants to spend time with God. I mean, he's just the creator of the universe. And Jesus has won for us a beautiful, intimate relationship. Sounds like they understand basic Bible Christianity. But see, that's what the enemy does, doesn't it? To get us to yearn, to seek, to long. Or anything and everything but God. We don't have that dependency, okay? He says, in a dry and weary land where there is no water. I mean, can you imagine that? Hello, we're in the desert here. Can you imagine if you went out there to the valley of fire and you got lost and you had no water? It wouldn't take that long that you'd start to yearn for water. Now, can you imagine if your appetite was so messed up that you're in the middle and all you needed was just some water, but you said, no, I... I just wish, I, I hope I get good uh, reception here on my uh, new uh, 4G cell phone so I can catch the latest Jay Leno. I've been out here 15 hours with no water, but man, that's what I really need right now. Now, spiritually, that's what's going on. We're being tricked into becoming, like we saw last time, those dry, crusty 
uh, rusty Christians, okay? He says this, uh, where there is no water, thus I beheld you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips will praise you, so I, I bless you. As long as I live, I will lift up my hands to your name. Again, not only somebody wants to spend time with God, dare I say this person has a love relationship with God. They're excited about God. They can't stop talking about God. I'm going to praise you. I'm excited about you. Man, thank you, Jesus. This is awesome. That's a relationship mindset. You keep that, and you don't have to have your arm twisted and hoot pulled in order for you to make time to spend time with God. Adoration and praise may include uh, reciting some of God's attributes. It's your next two blanks there. God's attributes, okay, and his mighty acts from Scripture. Okay, his mighty acts from Scripture. Did you know that God literally made the sun stand still? Right? Now, if he even said, instead of S-U-N and S-O-N, some of us was little children, uh, even that would be a miracle to make your little sun stand still. <laughs> but no, he did something exceedingly abundantly, much more than that. These S-U-N, God literally did that. Now, if God, who, of course, created the universe, and scientists can't explain it, you can mock it in your face, but God literally did that, don't you think he can handle anything that comes our way? Come on. And this is when you read the Bible and you start seeing these mighty acts of God. That's exciting stuff. It's awesome. Their, their backs are against the Red Sea. They've got an army against them. The people are whining. Parts the waters. They go through. They not only get on safety. God takes care of all their enemies in one fell swoop. That really happened. But oh no, when our, uh, we're backed up against the wall with all of our circumstances, too bad God can't do anything there. When you understand who he is, man, it's exciting. His mighty acts and the things that he's done, as well as our own lives. Own is your next blank there. That's what's exciting. That's when it gets personal. You begin to see it isn't just stories about how he brought a King David through Goliath because he first brought him through the lion and the bear. You start going, man, God, remember when you brought me through that? Remember when we thought, man, there's no way we're getting through this and you did this and that and, and then this circumstance came along and we made it through that and you delivered us from that and you provided for this and hey, who cares this circumstance? It might look like Goliath, but man, God, you're awesome. You're mighty. You brought us through that. You're going to bring us through this. And that's what he's talking about here is this, this adoration. It's just, man, God, this is awesome. Uh, have that mindset when you enter into prayer. Instead of going, where's that? What, am I in step two or three? Can, oh, man, I can't believe John. I, I moved to Thanksgiving before I did confession. <laughs> God doesn't love me. That's completely Weird, the way that we do this, okay, is what's going on uh, with this, our own lives. This reminds us of who God really is. And it leads us to a more reverence of him. Underline that word, reverence. Boy, that's gone out of the church today. It also reminds us of his sufficiency to handle most situations in life. Oh, wrong answer. All situations in life. Okay, now that's hope, right? God can do whatever he wants to do. All things are possible with him. That's to whom we serve. That's to whom we belong. And he loves us as his children. Right? That's amazing. That's hopeful. So when you enter into that mindset, say, whoa, God, you can do it. I know you can. You know what I'm saying? And that's what he says. In all situations, this adoration will also move us to praise uh, and glorify our Heavenly Father for who he is as well as that which he has done. So last time we saw a little 
little teaser of, a, of a God being our king. I want to take a look at a little bit of just of some characteristics specifically of Jesus. Just to remind us scripturally what the Bible says about Jesus. You know, the one we're praying to. You know, maybe just to enlighten us uh, to who it is we're having a conversation with. Absolutely amazing who our Lord is. Okay, the world, first of all, this is what happens. The world wants to denigrate Jesus. Have you noticed that? Okay, and what they want to do is they want to say, well, he was just a good moral teacher. They want to relegate him to just like a man, just like a, you know, nobody better than Muhammad or Buddha or the great confused one or Confucius. And, and you know, only those people, that's, that's all he is, which is a great moral teacher. They want to denigrate him. No, he's God. And there's nobody, he is the preeminent one. There is nobody like Jesus. There never is and never will be. He is the one and only begotten son. Now listen to what the Bible calls the one that he has won the privilege of us to communicate with. Okay? It's just it's, forget the hamburger, forget the president with all due respect. I'm not getting political. I'm, this is Jesus. He is, the scripture says, he's our advocate. He's our lawyer, Christian, who presents your case and he stands beside you. Have you ever wondered that when you get to heaven, you're going to get there and then God's going to pull down this screen back here, okay? And then all of a sudden the video PowerPoint's going to start playing and he's going to start playing all the sins you ever did, whatever. And then make it matters worse, you're already sweating bullets, then he pops up your mom and she's there watching all that stuff. He is our advocate, the scripture says. They're gone. They've been wiped out, right? You don't have to worry. He's our lawyer. He's on our side, He's not against us, and we win, and he never loses a case. He is our advocate. That's to whom we have to do. That's who we're praying to. He is almighty, which means all-powerful ruler of all. He's the alpha, which means he's the first before, the eternal God, the great I am. He always exists. He's the author. He is the writer, the plan, the composer. We're his instruments. He's strumming us, doing great, mighty, wonderful works for him. As Tommy had said that. It's absolutely awesome last week. He is the branch. He supplies the nutrient, the sustenance of life. He's the bread of life he satisfies us he strengthens us he sustains us he's the christ the messiah mashiach or uh, christos uh, the christ the anointed one he's the cornerstone the main foundation the support system the structure he's our counselor he guides us he instructs us he stands beside us he is the creator he made established controls and of, of everything that we see he's the door he is the manner uh, uh, to enter life and fulfill all our needs he is everlasting he is eternal he is the faithful witness and the firstborn uh, uh, among the dead. He is God. He is not just some man. He's the good shepherd who protects for us. He provides for us. He leads us. He heals us. He's the high priest. He's the mediator between God and man. He gives his life. He has sacrificed himself for us. He is the holy one. He's, he's perfect. He's pure. He's chosen by God. He is the I am. He is the Emmanuel. He is Jesus, Joshua, Yeshua, which means he shall. No, maybe he's about it. He will save his people. He is the judge. We do not have to take revenge. He will take revenge. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Do what is right. God will take care of him. He is the judge. He will always have the last word. He's the king of kings. He's the lamb. He's the life. He's the Lord, which means the ruler. He guides and controls us. He's not just the Lord. He's the Lord of lords. He's the Messiah. He's the mighty God. He is the Nazarene. He's the Omega, the only begotten son. He's the Passover lamb, the sacrifice of God. Uh, The angel of death comes by, but it ain't going to get us. He's the prince of peace, the prophet, the redeemer, the resurrection and life. He's the righteous, the rock, the savior, the son of God, the son of man, the truth, the only way to the father. He is wonderful, miraculous, fantastic, magnificent, spectacular, and he is the word. This is Jesus. When we open our mouth and we say, Jesus, 
That's who we're talking about. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not whoever, not Jay Leno. This is Jesus. Wow. Wouldn't it be cool if we could actually have one-on-one time with him? We can. Anywhere we go, at any time, he really listens and he really wants to hear from us. That's wild. That's what it is. Adoration. It's like, man, who are we praying to? Have we forgotten? I said it before, I'll say it again. I'll never forget that one guy, the preacher, had said this. He says, when we even, if we start our prayer like this, our Father in heaven, he said, do you have any idea what just came out of your mouth? Who the audience is? It's amazing. That's who it is. Jesus Christ is totally superior above any and all who've ever been born, ever will be. There is no one like him, never will be. Buddha, did he get buried and rise from the dead? Did Confucius go to the cross and redeem mankind? Did Muhammad make the universe, let alone sustain it? Is Sigmund Freud one with the Father? No, I don't think so. Is anyone on this planet sinless? No, well, guess what? Jesus Christ is. He rose from the dead. He went to the cross. He made the universe. He's one with the Father. This is whom we serve. This is whom to we belong. And this is whom we are his children. And this is whom we are joint heirs with an amazing future. And we can converse with. Remind ourselves of that before we start going, I ain't got time. It's crazy. Buddha can't save you. Muhammad can't save you. Confucius can't save you. Freud can't save you. The president can't save you. Jay Leno can't save you. Your parents can't save you. You can't save you. But Jesus Christ can and he has. And we can talk to him anytime before we get to heaven. That's wild. And when you do that, I think you got kind of this attitude as this Christian. He says this. He is the first, speaking of Jesus, the first and the last, the beginning, the end. He's the keeper of creation, the creator of all. He's the architect of the universe and the manager of all times. He always was, always is, always will be, unmoved, unchanged, undefeated, and never undone. The world can't understand him. The armies can't defeat him. The schools can't explain. The leavers can't ignore him. Herod couldn't kill him. The Pharisees couldn't confuse him. The people couldn't hold him. Nero couldn't crush him. Hitler couldn't silence him. The New Age can't replace him. And Donahue or Oprah cannot explain him away. He is holy, righteous, mighty, powerful, and pure. His ways are right his word is eternal his will is unchanging his mind is on me he's my redeemer my savior my guide my peace he's my joy my comfort my lord he rules this life he will never leave me forsake me mislead me forget me he will never cancel my appointment in his appointment book when i fall he lifts me up when i fail he forgives when i'm weak he is strong when i'm lost he is the way when i'm afraid he's my courage when i face persecution he seals me when i face death he carries me home he's everything to everybody everywhere every time every way he is god he is faithful i am his he is mine my father in heaven can whip the father of this world and he has so if you're wondering why i feel secure you better understand this god is in control i'm on his side and that means all is well with my soul that's adoration that's understanding before you even get started christian and open your mouth who in the world you have the privilege to communicate with jesus christ Hey, does anybody know who's, uh, what uh, special guests are on Jay Leno tonight? That just kind of ruined the moment, didn't it? Makes you want to scream. That's right. How that must break the heart of God after all he's done for us and what he's won for us that we would do something like that instead of spending time with him, the creator of the universe. Okay, but that's just adoration. It's also good to start our prayer with Thanksgiving. It's your next blank there. Thanksgiving. In recognition to all that God has 
done for us, okay? Thanksgiving can also encompass many other things, such as thanks for answered prayer. I got I to gotta kick that every time I hear that word, because that, it, to me, has turned into another Christianese thing. God answers all prayer, okay? It's either yes, no, or not now, uh, whatever you want to translate it, or wait, okay? And it's usually in the no or the not now that we say, God doesn't answer that prayer. No, it might be a no, and you just don't like it. It might be a not now, and you're being impatient, right? It's when we don't get that absolute yes, we scream, and then we say, God didn't answer that prayer. This is, we're a good team, right? Let's hit, let's hit the road. Viva Las Vegas. <laughs> Put the Elvis things on. I already got mine going on. It's going pretty good. I just got to get it dyed black. But anyway, that's right. Uh, no, it's, uh, so that's what we got going on here is he answers all prayer. But we're thankful for that, okay? Here's something. When God says no, you still give him thanks? Oh, it's easy to give him thanks. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, we made it through that. Awesome, yes. Oh, you said yes to that one. When he said no, you just as excited? Yeah? We need to give him thanks. It's a step of faith. When you say thanks, you're saying, I trust in you, God. It's the thing that I've been preaching on for many weeks now. Why do bad things happen to God's people? Trust him. You don't have to lose that smile. He knows what he's doing. How many times they've learned over time... Praise God, he said no. <laughs> that thing you were asking for, it's like, ooh. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's, that's absolutely it. So don't just wait years down the road when the realization comes and you forget the answer why. He said no. Step of faith, if he says no, or if he tells you to wait, rejoice. Thank you, God. Thank you for making me wait. That means something good's cooking. You know what I'm saying? Is what's going on. So you can thank him for answer prayer. Thank him for speaking to cooking food. Right? Hey, you want to get a lesson on uh, stop whining about what you eat? Come on down here Tuesdays and Thursdays. Watch these people. They're hungry. Right? Has anybody learned the lesson this? I learned this from, I never had the privilege of working in a restaurant establishment. But I had many friends who did. And one thing that I learned uh, from the friends who worked at that uh, restaurant establishment, pretty much every single one of them said this, don't ever, ever, ever complain about your food. And then they would proceed to tell me, which I'm not condoning, this was pre-Jesus days, what they would do to people's food when they complain. So, yes, we should give God thanks, but I think there's also a practical benefit as to why you should be thankful for your food. <laughs> so you can stay healthy and not get stuff extra that you weren't getting on there. They don't put that on the menu. Add this to that. Even for an extra quarter, you get it for free because you whined. Okay? So be thankful for your food and think about it, right? So what? So what? You got a cold burrito. whoop de doo all. You got a burrito, didn't you? Yeah. Oh, didn't they get you? That was brilliant planning on that movie because the kid not just bought a crunch bar with pennies. That kind of got you. But then you saw him break it up. That's all. Oh, I said, man, you guys, you guys got me. <laughs> I almost saw John crying on that one too. But that's just it. You got to be thankful, right? Thankful. Thank you, God, for prayer. And that you said, yes, no, not now. Thank you for the food, Jesus. Thank you for these cold french fries. Right? These are awesome. Praise God, I actually live in a country where I can have french fries. Instead of just eating roots. Happens all the time, guys. Okay? Got lots of stories of, uh, well, we'll save that. I got that come down maybe in a couple weeks on the next thing. So what my family went through growing up. Yeah, God's blessings. Right? Well, what are some of God's blessings? How has he blessed us? Right? 
Can he survive that uh, wreck with John in his truck on his moped? That's a blessing. He's still around. <laughs> Praise God. Absolutely. S- survived cancer, things of that nature. Anybody ever have a, get, get to have a job once in a while? Periodically? Something? That's a blessing. Right? Hey, she got a good job. Right? That's a, praise God. Thank you. Right? Did you just get that blessing and just keep your mouth shut? Or did you take the time to say, thank you, God? In fact, even after it's long gone, did you keep saying every single day, thank you, God? Thank you, God. You want to keep a smile on your face all day long? Just keep thanking God for all the blessings he's done. And man, you don't have to look far because there's a lot. Hey, let's, let's do one. This one's real simple. Even if you don't have a job, uh, even if you're dealing with health issues, go like this. Thank you, God, for air. Comes in handy. You know what I'm saying? Hey, he's the one, right? When he says done, you're not going to breathe in more air. Air's good. Yeah, you're not going to need him. Okay. But thank you, God, for the blessings. Thank you, God, for his wondrous deeds. That's what we were talking about earlier. Thank you, God, for all the wonderful things. And just not what we see in the scripture, but personally, take time. I don't care if you're down in the dumps. Take time to look back at all the incredible things that God has brought you through. That's the lesson of David. How did he face Goliath? Dude, he, it wasn't his circumstances. It didn't matter how big, how small, how threatening, how seemingly impossible Goliath was. It didn't matter. He went back on the character of God. God, you brought me through. Yes, a lion smaller than Goliath, but it's the same principle. You brought me, yes, a, a, a bear is, is a little bit bigger, but still not quite as, as big as this guy, nine feet, whatever tall. And, and it's just, but, but, but you brought me through that. So God, it's your consistent character that gives me strength to face this one. And we're bringing that old booger down in the name of the Lord. And it's the same thing in our present circumstances. But give him thanks. Man, thank you, God. Thank you for bringing us through that. Thank you for your provision. Okay, and thank you for other believers, at least those that we like. Ooh, now we're going to Medlin, and I don't have much time left. What's going on? That's not going on too good. Uh, What? Thank you, Jesus. Have you ever had just, man, maybe it was more profound when we first got saved. You ever just, you run into somebody, you, you find out they're a Christian, and you're in, locked into a conversation, like, man, I never, I, it would take, you know, especially guys, you know, hi, hi. And that's the extent of it, right? Next thing you know, you're deep in the conversation. There's that bond, there's that, un, there's something about two Christians, and man, you can be total strangers and have a phenomenal conversation. And you may never see each other again until you get to heaven. But there's that unity, that's going on there, okay? And, uh, but anyway, so, uh, but other believers, thank you, Jesus. It's great, we're not alone. There's strength in numbers. We need each other. Thank you, God, that I didn't get saved. I'm plopped on the island. I got fellow brothers and sisters, okay? And, and, and God, you've given me gifts when I got saved via the Holy Spirit. Everybody's giving gifts, and it's for the edification of us all. Every time I come to a church service, if it's a, a, a place with this mindset, I'm always going to be benefited, not just by getting, but by giving the gifts that you've given me. Thank you, God, for that. Thank you that you didn't just save us and plopped us alone. You've given us a taste of heaven and family life before we even get there. Thank you for other believers. And I'll just add this one in closing. I've said it before, I'll say it again. I hope there never goes a day that goes by, guys, whatever time you spend with God, that you don't say, thank you, Jesus Christ, for saving me. Thank you. Can I encourage you to spell it out? Thank you, Jesus, for saving me from eternal damnation in hell. What my sins rightly deserve. Thank you for sparing me. Thank you for loving me while I was still a sinner. 
ungodly, and my mind and my enemy, uh, my, my mind and my behavior was an enemy towards you. Thank you for not waiting till I become perfect because I couldn't. Thank you for dying on the cross anyway. Thank you for sparing me from hell. And thank you. One day, I'm going to be with you in a place beyond my wildest dreams. Thank you for the gift of eternal life in heaven. It's amazing. Don't feel like you have to include thanks for all these things every single time. As we stated before, the length and the content of your prayer may be dependent upon your circumstances. And dare I say, dependent upon your mindset. It's a relationship. Get away from the perfunctory stuff. Yes, learn some arts and techniques, some things we talked about tonight. But make it your own. Make it personal. Make sure it's from the heart. I guarantee you, you'll get much more out of it. And that's why it's called not just prayer. It's called prayer life. It's a way of life. That's right, John. We will stop at this point. But let's go ahead and let's pray. Well, hi, this is Billy Crone of Get Life Ministries, and I hope you were blessed with this study. But in closing, let me ask you one final question. If you were to die today, are you sure that you go to heaven and not hell? Before you answer that, let me share a couple things that the Bible says. Did you know that the Bible says that God is holy and that we are not? And the wages of our sin or unholiness is death? In other words, we deserve to die and go straight to hell and be separated from God for all eternity. This is the great cosmic dilemma. God who is holy and we are not, how can we have a relationship with Him? The two will never mix. Now, to make matters worse, we don't even want to admit this, even though God already knows He's God. And so God out of love gave us something called the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were not something to just memorize or stick on your wall or give the appearance of being a religious person. The Ten Commandments were God's divine x-ray, if you will, into our heart and soul to reveal this truth that we need to admit. And that is this, that God is holy and that we are not. We are disqualified for heaven. So let's take a look at that divine x-ray that God's trying to get us to realize. Uh, the, the Ten Commandments, the, the ninth one says, you shall not bear false witness. That's lying, okay? How many guys have ever told a lie? Raise your hand, okay? Well, if you didn't raise your hand, you just did. You just told a lie because we've all done that. Well, that makes us a liar. The, another Ten Commandments says that you shall not steal. Don't ever take anything without permission. How many of you guys uh, have ever done that? Well, you guys already said you're a bunch of liars. All of our hands should have went up on that one. And for being honest, God already knows. Folks, we've all taken something. We've stolen something, right? That makes us a thief. Another Ten Commandments says that you shall not use the Lord's name in vain. He's not just holy. Even His name is holy. Hey, folks, let's be honest. If you can believe it, even the name of Jesus Christ uh, has been turned into a common cuss word. Well, the Bible says that's a sin of blasphemy. Now we're a, a blasphemer. The Bible says you shall not commit adultery. And Jesus said, here's his standard. Uh, uh, even if you look at another person with lust in your eye, you committed adultery in your heart. Wow, so now we're an adulterer. The Bible says you shall not murder. And you might think, well, hey, at least I haven't done that one. Really? Again, the Bible says that the sin of hatred, wishing somebody was dead, okay, that, that's the same thing. Uh, it's akin to the sin of murder. It's just you pulled the trigger in your heart, but God sees the heart. Hey, folks, that's just five out of ten. How are you doing? You still think you're going to get to heaven on your own? You still think that you're qualified, that you're holy like God, and you could bridge the gap and have a relationship with Him forever? I don't think so. I mean, what did we just see? You're going to stand before God, and so am I. We all are. And we're going to have to give an account for who we are. Hey, hey, God, let me in. Uh, I, I'm, a, I'm a liar. 
I'm a thief, I'm a blasphemer, I'm an adulterer, I'm a murderer. And the scripture is very clear, folks. Such people as these will not inherit the kingdom of God. We're in trouble. But folks, here's the good news. The Bible says that if we would just admit that, that's the first step. To admit that God is holy, that I'm not, I'm disqualified for heaven, I need a Savior. If we would admit that and then ask for the Savior to save us. That's what God was doing with Jesus. God gave us His Son, Jesus Christ. He took the death penalty in our place so that we could be completely forgiven of everything we've ever done and be made holy through Jesus so that we can now have a relationship with God both here and now and forever in heaven. We can become qualified. The word that the Bible uses is a word called pardon, that God is willing to pardon us of all of our sins and crimes that we've committed against him and disqualified us that disqualified us for heaven right and we've actually seen this work in real life uh, for instance uh, there's been people who have committed crimes gone to court the gavel's been passed the judges said hey listen we all know you're guilty uh, you even admit you're guilty and uh, for your crimes you're going to not just jail you're going to uh, await in jail to go to the death penalty and did you know that there actually is a way that somebody could get off of death row, it's called a pardon. The one in the authority, the governor, can grant what's called a pardon for that person's crimes, and they literally can go free. Not because of something they did, because the deeds are already done, you can't undo it. Not because they tried to clean up their act while they were stuck in the jail cell, because that doesn't change anything. But simply out of mercy, the person who has the authority can give them a pardon, and they can go free. And did you know, it's actually on historical record, that there have been people who have been granted a pardon from the death penalty, and they've refused to take it. And so, even though the offer was there to be set free, they themselves still had to go to the death penalty. Folks, in a nutshell, that's what God's doing every single day with all of us this side of heaven. While you still have breath, you still have an opportunity to receive God's pardon. He's willing to forgive you of all your sins if you would just receive His pardon through Jesus Christ. Again, that's what He was doing on the cross. The cross was the death penalty of the day. But since we weren't there, and since we can't earn it, it's a gift from God, you have to receive that by faith. Reach out even today from your own spiritual jail cell, if you will, and say yes to Jesus and God's pardon so that you could be set free and go to heaven. The Bible says that if you will confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the grave, you will be saved. Hey folks, if that's you, don't delay. You may not even have tomorrow. Today could be your last day. Please accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Confess with your mouth he is Lord. Believe in your heart that God has raised him from the grave and the Bible says you will be saved. Well, this has been Billy Crone of Gill Life Ministries. If there's anything that we could do for you, our information and, and number will come up here shortly. And please don't hesitate to contact us. But remember, I hope to see you in heaven. God bless.